Y'all good over there? I am ready to go. You gonna play a trailer or something? No, I was just making sure I had like I keep my phone so I can Google shit. I don't know. Oh, no, no, I don't no, I don't want to talk to you. God fucking damn it, Siri. <laughs> <sighs> I turned the ringer off so it doesn't buzz on the table, but then I apparently Siri wants to be on the podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Nightmare Box. <laughs> Getting those mistakes out of the way early. Presenting. Mistakes were made. Presenting uh, our weekly edition of oh, no. ah, Tuesdays with Stories. Off to a weak start. We get so nervous about clinking glasses that we can't even clink the glass together. Well, after I smashed that one... Oh, there's no ice. I gotta get ice. After I smashed that one, I'm super nervous to do it anymore. That was your old wine in a cold glass. Yeah, no, but, like, the Merlot is, like, a heavier flavor, so oh. I need it to be, like, freeze your lungs cold. Gotcha. Trying to give up sugar. So <laughs> slowly working my way into... Treating. Wine so dry that... Your soul shrivels up when you take a sip. <laughs> treat a white Merlot like you, uh, or white Merlot like you would treat like a scotch. Yeah. Gotta have ice in that bitch. I'm so, gonna buy those little... Wine on rocks, please. <laughs> I'm gonna buy those little refu- refusable, refreezable cubes that they make God for scotch. I swear to God, we're sober. These were the first drinks of the day. <laughs> it's just been a long day. We got them <laughs> so early. <laughs> no, I'm gonna buy those cubes they make for scotch drinkers that you can pop in the I freezer. I got some. And uh, put I those in I my wine. I shit like that all the time. <laughs> I, I swear I've got like a desk drawer full of random shit Probably people do. have given me. I've got some whiskey rocks. I know I've got some whiskey rocks. <laughs> um, presenting... Our weekly edition of Tuesdays with... No. <laughs> two Star Tuesday. No, no, leave it. Two Star Tuesdays, not Tuesdays with two stars. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Should have walked in here day. drunk. I'd probably be better at this job. We went to bed at like midnight and then had to get up at like 6.30, which isn't... Not crazy. Yeah, but, but it it's off. our day off. <laughs> and that's after a full week of work. Mm. And we uh, stayed up super late watching this sh- shitty movie. Oh, yeah. So today's, this week's, whatever the fuck I'm trying to say right now, edition of Two Star Tuesdays is <laughs> going to be on the film The Girl in the Photograph, which came out in 2015. And just because I said I was going to, I'm going to open with the same edgy opening quote that they did. Go for it. There is, in fact, something obscene and sinister about photography. A desire to imprison, to incorporate a sexual intensity of pursuit by William S. Burroughs. And that's the best part of the film. (laughs) That's the end of the show. Thanks, guys. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) I actually quite like this one. Yeah, Uh, it really wasn't that bad. It had its moments and uh, just out of, uh, what do you call it, busting down the fourth wall, uh, I had to sit on the edge of the chair. Not because the film was so good it kept me on the edge of my seat. I was literally falling asleep for the entire last 20 minutes. There's parts of this movie that are a little blotchy for me. Thank you for not making me captain the episode. No. Because you said last night I was going to have to, and I was like, no! She she was like waking me up, and she was... What's going on? I had to like back it up like fucking five minutes because I'd been zonked out. 
on the couch just I asked you if you which I'm glad you didn't because oh my god that would have been too much but I asked you if you wanted to finish it today and you were like no if I'm going to suffer through it I'm going to do it all in one night doing this all in one sitting I had to shake my head pour some water on top of my dome just sit on the edge of the chair like if I'm falling asleep I'm falling forward into the floor (laughs) dedication he he got up and did a couple of squats (laughs) let's do this get Get the heart moving Do some laps around the fucking living room, <laughs> jog in place, whatever uh, it's gonna take. I, I could. That I was, was good. I was in the sleepy zone. I couldn't find my way out, man. I was done, zo, sunzo. So let's talk about the rating for this film because I'm a little surprised. Yeah, this movie got a 4.5 out of 10 on IMDb. It got a 14% critic score and a 21% on the audience score, and we're in agreement. This was much better than 14%. And why do we think that it got that low of a rating? Oh, um, because I read uh, part of a Forbes magazine while we were hanging out in the diner. (laughs) And uh, that's what I do. I I, I don't, I I actually get Forbes magazine. Like, I don't fuck around. I read your bullshit. This is like a Michael Scott moment. I subscribe to Small Businessman. I subscribe (laughs) to the Small Businessman. I don't. I don't pay for the Forbes. I just read them until they tell me I can't anymore, Mm. and then I go away. Um, But they had an article about this film, and uh, they were talking at at the opening of the article about how it got panned by critics and audiences harshly because this is Wes Craven's last credit. He was the executive producer on this film. He did not direct this film. There's cool moments that call back to his films, and it's got a feel that's like Scream. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I don't think people realize that it's not a Craven, you know? Yeah. So if you're walking in there like, this is going to be a Wes Craven movie, it's not a Wes Craven movie. It feels like somebody's tried to do a Wes Craven movie. And I wonder, I mean, I, I haven't extensively looked at... Um... Wes Craven's filmography, but um, I do wonder if some of the lower quality films that he's worked on has just been because he, you know, he's a legend of horror. Like him just trying to pass on his knowledge to less skilled filmmakers or new up and coming filmmakers. Because I, um, I told you we watched uh, Project Greenlight for part of one of my film classes. We were like analyzing like the whole production process because they go like in depth and uh, like mm. how it's made and like the whole process and then at the end we watch the movie and I cannot I know I said this last time too I should have looked it up I cannot for the life of me remember what that stupid film was it was a terrible film Birth of the Nation no oh. this was a whole different <laughs> whole different podcast we did no it was a, a B horror film it was god awful but um, the premise of Project Greenlight was that um people would essentially audition their ideas. I don't know. I can't remember if it was like writers auditioning their scripts or whatever. And it and was then, like Wes Craven and uh, John Carpenter and people like well, that. Well, uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were the two like main hosts of the show. And then Wes Craven was one of the producers of the show. Oh, okay. So he was like heavily involved in it, but they would like pick whoever and then they would make this film. And like, it was a terrible film, whatever yeah. it was. I can't remember. But like, I feel like to some extent it was like, this horror legend trying to just like nurture like new up and comers. Yeah. So I, I don't like I have a hard time faulting when a shitty film is under his name because Stan, he Stan Lee used to do that. Yeah. I found that out like on YouTube. Stan Lee used to host some sort of a comic show where like people would come on and draw their comic book characters and like pitch them to him and then he'd be like, That doesn't work, you can't move with all that iron. <laughs> um 
No, I have a theory that I just came up with as you were explaining that theory. <laughs> and uh, remember earlier, this pl- this movie was produced by Al Ghanim Entertainment. And if that sounds like it might be somewhere in the Middle East, you would be correct. It's one of the biggest companies in the Persian Gulf. It was in Kuwait, if I remember I correctly. So, yeah. yeah. And they are just like royalty. Like these guys are like in charge of all this shit. I've never heard of them, but that's not my business. Anyway, this branch of it, their entertainment branch, was something they were going to try to release two movies every year. They were going to put like $15 million into each one of these films. And uh, it was going to be their way to branch out into their Hollywood offices. Can I interrupt you for yeah. one second? Your binder is rubbing against the table, and I can hear it rattling in my headphones. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, continue. So this was their branch out attempt, and this was their first movie. So I'm curious if you're correct, and he's giving an up-and-comer a chance, or if Al Ghanim spent all $15 million getting Wes Craven to executive produce their film, only to have it flop, because when we looked at Al Ghanim Entertainment... Um, this is the only movie that they've ever done. So instead of dropping oh. two a year and putting 15 mil into them, spending $30 million on films, they did one in 2015 and never attempted it again. Which, I mean, they definitely could have dumped all of their money into trying to make, um, I don't know, like a teaser or a highlight or something yeah. of this film to make it seem appealing, but... I mean, for Wes Craven to be credited as an executive producer, he probably poured some of his own money into it. So That's true. Wes probably funded part of this movie. So and the the DP, interesting enough, is a very successful DP. Um, oh shit, what all had he done? Apollo thirteen was one of mm-hmm. them. He had done Back to the Future. He had done a lot of big stuff. I wish I should have written down his name. Especially considering that's what I want to do. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they, they had a couple of higher-up prominent people. So, yeah. I don't know, maybe they did dump all of their money into trying to do a really good pitch. But I, I am curious how this film landed on their doorstep. Because we didn't really find much in the way of, like, trivia or, like, the production, the budget, any of that. Yeah, and this just looked like a one-shot. Like, all the articles that I tried to read were just explaining that this was, like, a new company that had made its way into Hollywood it was expected to be huge and it was their first feature film ever bizarre but yeah Wes Craven's last film which is sad this is Wes Craven's last credit what was Wes Craven's last film like the one where he actually directed it oh I don't know um Let's IMDb. Let's IMDb. Uh, we couldn't find any budget or gross information on this. This movie was made. It floated a couple of festivals and then went straight to video in 2016, so the next year. Um, and my only other note to fill the silence is Wes mm-hmm. Craven was the executive producer, and I feel like we've, we've, we've gotten that. Um, the last thing credited on his IMDb, which that doesn't necessarily mean it's up to date, is a Scream 4 gag reel in 2011, but the last, like, oh, last actual film, Scream 4 2011, is the last thing he's credited as a director, which is interesting. Yeah, I didn't realize that it had been that long, so he would have passed away. 2015 was Mm -hmm. when he passed, so, like, four years 
He was older though. He was in his seventies. And he was still doing stuff like yeah, this. He, yeah, maybe he was still just, producing. So maybe, maybe he not just retired to stay out on set all day and you know keep going at it. But God bless Wes Craven. Boom. Horror legend. <laughs> um, fun trivia. At the beginning of the film, which I did not notice, and Kristen did not notice, no. um, they are walking out of a movie theater, and the title of the film on the marquee, is marquee the correct mm-hmm. T- <laughs> making all kinds of background noise, my apologies, <laughs> just trying to spin my chair around so I can quit rubbing my thing. <laughs> That's going to be a sound yeah. bite. <laughs> Spin my chair around so I can keep rubbing my thing. <laughs> Talking about all this horror. Um, but yeah, the, the title on the marquee is Blood Relations, which you found out today was the working title for Craven's 1977, The Hills Have Eyes. So cool little tribute. Yeah. Like I, I, uh, do you think that was his decision? <laughs> You're like, we don't have a name. And he's like, God damn it, kids. How hard is it to come up with a name and then look at us? Like, <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. I feel like maybe, I mean, we literally have done no research into the director or the writers yeah. or anything. So this is just me shooting ideas out. But the movie did feel to some extent like a tribute to Scream. So I feel like either the writer or the director was a Craven fan yeah. for sure. And that's probably where that came from. I don't think Craven doesn't strike me as the type who would toot his own horn that heavily. I'd have to look into it and watch some interviews and stuff, but uh, he, I mean, it wasn't a bombastic personality, you know? Yeah. Like, on it, as far as I know, he might have been like an arrogant dickhead at one point <laughs> in his career, but he might have been like a Stanley Kubrick. I've not researched <laughs> much into him and his personality, but uh, him old is fun to listen to, like when he's talking about things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fascinating man. The whole how he came up with Kruger, the watching uh, the early development of Kruger because in um, Last House on the Left, the, I'd have to find the year, it's gone. Um, the bad guy in there who gets chainsawed um, is Krug. Yeah. So <laughs> you get Krug and then a couple of years later you get Kruger and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, maybe this was a concept you've been messing around with for a while. <laughs> idea of the nightmare taking over suburbia like, <laughs> um, and my theory is that this movie killed Wes Craven and that's my <laughs> only other piece of trivia I, I think I think the cancer was in remission and then he saw this movie no, he didn't ever see this movie. Didn't no, it came out after. Came well, out after um, it released in its first maybe festival. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. I've never been embarrassed at the Sundance. It is like, <laughs> fuck this. Yeah. It released at its first festival before he died, but it was close to, so he I don't know if he was like sick at the time or not. Yeah. Like super sick. Well now that makes it feel like blood relations might have been a post edit like, like done in post. It's possible. Yeah. Or like, you know, rest in peace West so They went back and edited um a four West like tribute before mm-hmm. the film even starts. There's a dedication to him, so it's entirely possible, yeah, they went back. And I didn't even notice that it was for Wes Craven. I was like... Well, it popped up for Wes, and I asked you if it was Craven, and at the tail end of the film, it said he yeah. was a producer, and I was like, ooh, called Hell it. Hell yeah. How many Wes's do just you know? just sitting there like, dear Gus, here's my movie. It's not a book, motherfucker. Vague. 
dedications always pique my curiosity, like the four Brett and yeah. um, uh, which one is that? Freak Kingdom. Is it Freak Kingdom? I started to say Freak Kingdom, but yeah. I wasn't sure. Like, I always want to be like, who's Brett? And how did you know Brett? That's what my mom said. She like, thought I... Go she off thought, on a little tirade. She yeah. thought that I had had the book dedicated to you. I do not <laughs> I have like, that kind I of pull. Like, who the fuck does mom think we are? <laughs> I was like, I'm excited that I'm working a contract for like less than $200. Mom thinks I got that kind of pull that I know this dude who's out here writing fucking biographies <laughs> who, of Hunter S. Thompson. Who will specially print one single book just for yeah, you. Who's just like, here you go, Brett. Thanks a lot. It's a good, good book selling strategy. I should look mm. into it. Well, I bet that's kind of expensive, though, to have each copy personalized. I don't know. I feel like you just sign in there yourself for whoever. <laughs> just leave it a blank page, four dot dot. And then you write it. And then you know if you've got a real one, because it, it'll say four dot dot, and then there'll be pen, but mm. you can't. You know, Ooh. Super slick. I do it in invisible ink with my urine. And you can only show my autograph to people by, with, a, with a lighter being way too close to paper. No, we're gonna we're gonna do this like fucking. Oh, what is that Nicolas Cage movie where they're trying to steal Face the decoration? No. Oh. <laughs> no, I mean he wasn't that, but no, where they're trying to steal the decoration of Independence. What is that fucking movie? You know what I'm talking about. National Treasure. Yeah, thank you. I was like, I know you people know what I'm talking about. They're like, we you gotta... people. <laughs> Shut up. You mean you people? They like go to heat it, and she's like, "No, it's too delicate." So they gotta squeeze a lemon and heat it with their breath. That's what we're gonna do with your books: lightly dab it in lemon and blow on it. It's a works of art, people. Show some respect. It's like you know, like it gets listed on eBay, and it's like it's signed. Trust me. I'm not going through the fucking process. Hitting this shit with the black lights, so you can tell Brett's pisses on this book. Oh God. <laughs> anyway, so there's some characters in uh, the girl in the photographs, <laughs> and some of them, you know, they're, they've got modeling careers. I'm sure some of them have been pissed on, and that's Colleen. <laughs> oh my god! Colleen is our main character. Uh, Ben's the boyfriend. The ex-boyfriend becomes the ex-boyfriend, kind of as the movie moves. But this is. Um, He's uh, street knowledgeable. I think is a politically correct, politically correct way to describe Ben. I don't know if we're still allowed to use that other word that I had in high school. So he is uh, a fan of okay. pretending he's in a gang. Like I know this guy. Like a couple of a couple mm-hmm. of different. I might have been this dude in middle school. Fuck oh. if I know. Um, Peter, who's the photographer, is played by. Cal Penn, who I we had to have a long discussion because I thought Harold and Kumar were their real names. And I didn't <laughs> no, they're rec- characters. <laughs> I didn't recognize him, but apparently this dude played Kumar, and I was like, God damn, you put on some weight. Like, you whole uh, well, he's much older now. Yeah, and in that movie, they went to White Castle, and in this movie, they went to a mansion. Um, <laughs> then there's Chris, and you know Chris. Uh, he is the assistant to Peter. And he was also in 
the 2011 remake of Footloose, and that's where I was oh. hoping you would come in with the assist. I, was I didn't not write going, that down. No, no it, I wasn't about to bring up that I knew him from the remake of Footloose. That was definitely a you, well, you found didn't know. out. Yeah, you didn't know yeah, him. No, I didn't want to hit the audience with that information. Like, not only am I out here loving the original Footloose, I'm watching the 2011 um. remake that I didn't know they had. Obviously, Footloose had yeah. a massive impact on She goes, impact that's that me. dude from Footloose. And I was like, Patrick Swayze? <laughs> 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 no, the remake. Yeah, I forgot. Sorry, I didn't write that down. My show notes are not up to par today. <laughs> While we were at the fancy diner. There's Rose. That's Peter's girlfriend. Um, then there's Jill, the girl in the cage, who we're definitely talking about. Colleen's yeah. bestie. And then there's Tom, and it's either Gary or Jerry. We can't remember and can't be bothered to figure out. It's G-E-R-R-Y, so good luck. Um, Tom is the main villain. I'm going to call him Jerry. Are you better with Jerry or Gary? I feel like it seems like it should be Jerry, because I have never seen Gary spelled that way. Gurry? (laughs) Gurry. He said it out loud at one point in the movie, and well, I don't remember. Well, he was remember. calling him Gurry. Gurry. We're just going to call him Gurry for this. So we're just going to call him Gurry for this. Come here, Gurry. And then there's um, Sheriff Porter, who you might recognize <laughs> from as Mitch Pelleggi of Sons of Anarchy fame. <laughs> <laughs> He played uh, he played Darby for all my dudes that are out there that are and and and, and dudettes that are out there still watching Sons of Anarchy. Darby was the uh, skinhead like he, meth dealer. He was Sons also, which I was excited about because I have not seen Sons of Anarchy. The uh, police chief, I guess, in X Files because I did watch X Files in my yeah. day. And I'd never seen X Files, so we were both like, "That's that dude!" And then like turned to each <laughs> Two other, separate directions, completely different parts of his career. Like uh, we were off by like a whole decade. That's <laughs> so true to our personality type. Though I was watching the nerdy show, and you were watching the violent show. <laughs> uh, it's Derby. Clay blew up his trailer. It's like, ah, oh, shit. Oh, bro. it's the guy from X Files. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. You want to dive into the good? Oh, we skipped two characters, though, real quick. Victoria and Trip are oh, shit, I did skip those. two of the models that come with Peter. Yeah, it's the blonde model with the blue tips and Trip, who looks a lot like Chris, and it took me almost the entire movie to figure out that they were different versions of the same white guy. Although <laughs> Trip is the one that's got the dumb fur on all the time, even though it's clearly hot because Rose never puts a real shirt on. Yeah. Everybody else is like walking around half ass naked. This dude's just sweating into some fur. It's just Craven wanted to piss off PETA one more time. He's like, <laughs> like, I need dead animals. Get me dead animals. God damn, he would have. Oh, that reminds me. We were talking earlier. Sorry, that has nothing to do with PETA, but just like how ridiculous this movie it was at points. We were talking earlier about how there were a lot of funny lines, and I couldn't for the life of me remember one. And for some reason, PETA reminded me of the ridiculousness of Hollywood in general. And Peter makes a comment that Scientology turned Chris straight. There were a couple of good lines. We should have we should have written some yeah, of them. Were had... there any of them on the? Did we check the IMDb? Yeah, there wasn't any good on the IMDb. Peter had a lot of. He was yeah. a very quirky, weird character. He had a lot of funny <laughs> lines. He's based on 
some actual real life photographer that we didn't yeah. write down that is we apparently in a lot up. of yeah. trouble. We looked him up on uh, Wikipedia. I should have written his name down. Yeah. Carry something. Yeah, but like the, uh, you know, when you Google search, it, it's like I don't know, fucking Brett Bloom, and then tiny little words would say writer. If I had one of those, yeah, if I was on par with this guy. But uh, this guy. I have guy, one. It says I'm an actress, though. <laughs> it doesn't say I make movies. This guy, it's got his name, and then it just says uh, fashion photographer. And you're like, oh, let me learn something about this fashion photographer. And then the first paragraph on his Wikipedia page was this dude is like touching everybody. <laughs> this dude is just groping girls to make them sad for his pictures. <laughs> I, 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 apparently, he's currently under investigation by the NY, NYPD. So, uh, welcome to the Me Too movement, jackass. <laughs> <laughs> they called this shit in 2015. Should have worked out. So, the good? Yeah. Um, I will say, for the most part, it was a really well technically done film like the camera work for the most part was really good um lots of cool shots like lots of really cool angles that was my favorite part yeah yeah like and you were the one who pointed out the angles because you have an affinity for angles yeah like a lot of really cool interesting shots like shot from kind of unusual spots like not how you would traditionally shoot a lot of these scenes and um like they had that bedroom shot where it was like up in the corner yeah. yeah, and it like it was like looking down on her at the bed, and then like panned up with her as she went into the next room. Mm-hmm. So you like kind of saw more of the room as she moved. It was really cool. And then um, when she's crawling backwards up the stairs at the tail end, like it shoots to an angle at the top of the stairs, and it's like kind of tilted, and mm-hmm. it feels like which it's a pretty rough moment in the movie, but it feel it makes the scene feel yeah. like the whole situation's really off. So it was pretty cool, and um, the sound design too was done very well like the sounds that they used like seemed believable but i felt like it was a little over the top like you flick a light switch or you pick up a little object from the table and it was like (laughs) so it was a little excessive but she's like touching her phone it's just like yeah but you can tell like a lot of care was put into it like whoever the foley artist was for that um definitely Put a lot of thought and care into the sounds just maybe in the editing the mm. volume was turned up a little too high we've been guilty of that probably on this episode so <laughs> mistakes were made <laughs> um they did a much better job on this film with that camera shutter effect mm. than they did in ghost house which is the last one that we you know just released uh by far it looked less gimmicky like in ghost house you had like the weird like fake like center point yeah and then this one it was just like the flash going off and it would kind of freeze frame for a second and then you'd go back to the movie and another flash would go Mm -hmm. off so it looked more like if you were there actually like seeing it being done versus like oh here's a little frame we threw on top of the screen it didn't look like photoshop or Mm -hmm. anything like that you okay? Yeah, I'm just hot. It's super oh. hot. I have, I have, it's like 90 fucking degrees. Well, you're wearing We're like, two shirts. It's done though. Well, you can take it off. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I've got both of the shirts, just a little shawl. 
It's like we're in Tennessee and we're like hitting the peak of summer. Well, no, we're not hitting the peak of summer. The peak of summer will it's be just in August. I saw you like look at the wall. And I was like, is she <laughs> so, about to faint? <laughs> so I've been burning up all day. We literally have been on the go all day long and like did the whole workout thing and all that. And I feel like I've just been pouring sweat from my body all day. Breathe, I'm good. I'm just. I'm hot. It's um, fucking summer in Tennessee, and it's a miserable experience because the humidity the is next level. Out of your wine, and the, the, yeah, that's where we. Are. <laughs> the humidity here is god awful. <laughs> Don't move to Tennessee. Um, my favorite part of this entire movie, hands down, is the first cage kill. Mm-hmm. Particularly how this motherfucker calls her mother. It rings, goes to fucking voicemail, and then he leaves that as the voicemail on her phone. If she would have picked it up, nowhere near the level of impact. The fact that she doesn't, so her daughter is getting strangled to death, just wanting to hear her mother's voice one last time. Mm-hmm. I like had to pause the movie, step out for a cigarette. I was like, that was a grade A fucked up part yeah. of this film. <laughs> she, before they, because they strangle her with a belt, I believe, yeah. like... She's in this, like, essential, like, dog cage type thing, and it's got just a small door that I'm curious how they even got her through, because it doesn't really seem like her whole body would fit through it, and she goes to reach out of it, and the only thing she gets out is just, like, her one arm and, like, her shoulder, neck, head area, and she's, like, screaming, like, mommy, and then the dude, like, starts choking her, so it goes from her screaming for her mother to, so it's, it's, yeah, like... That was fucking rough. Yeah, it was an intense shot. Like a very, <laughs> very cool scene. Which... There were a lot of... Uh, I, for clarification, we enjoyed this movie. Like, this is not a go-fuck-yourself, you know, ghost house type of film. <laughs> I thought it was interesting... This isn't Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was interesting, though, because... Um... You were the person that like brought this up. You you know have way more experience with horror films than I do. Um, you've said in the past before, like if you're not gonna go hard on the first kill, the next kill has to be you know impactful. Yeah. And like that was literally what they did with this film. And it's like kind of neat to like recognize like when people are doing yeah. that because like the first kill. I know it kind of sounds like it comes out of my ass, but I've watched hundreds of these fucking things. And that's typically the formula is either you go hard as shit in the paint on the first kill mm-hmm. or you build the tension and kill it and then shock the shit out of everybody with a 10 times more fucked up second kill. Well, it was interesting to see that one because the first kill and like I would have put that on my bad. I think if they hadn't like come back so hard on the second one, the first kill, the whole thing is shot like in wide angles. You don't really see like up close intimate details of what they're doing to this girl and you don't actually see her die at all. They like beat her up, bind her up, drag her out to this random road in the middle of nowhere, pull her out of the car and throw her down on the ground. And then the last thing you see over her is the freeze frame where they take a photo of her just like laying there beaten up on the road. Mm-hmm. And then that photo gets sent to the main girl, uh, Colleen, later. But um, Did she get all stabbed up? I think, yeah, they have her yeah. like posed. So yeah, I think, she, I think I they did tell like... I with the shirts. It was like yeah. yellow and red, so it was hard to... Yeah, um... Yeah, they did, they did yeah. like, kind of poser in a specific way, which we'll get into that in a little bit. But, um, like, the actual, like, scene that's happening in that moment, you don't see her die. And, like, I was, like, 
I looked at you while we were watching the film, and I was like, oh, like, that wasn't very, like, impactful. Like, it was yeah. kind of a weak a scene. Yeah, because, yeah. like, the whole thing was shot very wide, and then we go to this kill in the cage, and they do, like, a couple of wide shots of the room or whatever, but a lot of it's shot, like, very close up, and you feel like you're kind of trapped yeah. in the cage, oh, too. Oh, you wanted to be here a minute ago? Welcome to the fucking night. <laughs> a dick on the table, fucking... Yeah, <laughs> and then they, like, come back so hard, and even, like, after... Because they don't show her, like, literally die. They show him, like, choking her out yeah. for a second, and then the um, scene switches to the next scene. But as it's switching to the next scene, you kind of hear her screams fading away into the next yeah. scene, so... Like, to see those two, like, how differently they were shot, like, compared to each other was kind of cool. Because it is kind of like... It fucking grabs you. Yeah. Like you said, like, they came back hard yeah. on the second one. And, uh, yeah, not to digress too far, but it's like my issue with the Friday the 13th remake, where they killed the entire team there for half an hour. It's like, well, now I'm exhausted. Unless you're going to top the entire first half of the first half hour. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and thus admit to me that you didn't need it, then now uh, you can... Fuck right off with your half hour. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm remembering right, they didn't kill anyone else for a good while after that, right? Yeah, like they, they burned you out and then just like built up character development and started killing people 45 minutes later. But mm-hmm. you just felt like you watched a horror movie and they got sucked into a rom com. Like it was. Yeah, <laughs> I digress. Um, um, okay, go. No, sorry, you got. How many more you got? Um, like four more. Then you go. Um, I put following off of just deaths in general Victoria and Trip get a pretty cool death too um, yeah there were some deaths that were in the middle of the world's weirdest sex scene yeah oh my god it's so <laughs> weird um, there were a couple of deaths weirdly they, they were very specific about where they showed blood like a lot of the characters die in fairly violent ways but not all of them you know have that significant level yeah. of gore and like Trip and Victoria oh my god like, get stabby-stabbed to death in bed as they slowly bleed out after having super weird sex. But the way it was shot was, like, really cool. She's like, they slit her throat, and that's all they do to her. And she's literally still alive, choking on her blood as they're, like, yeah. just wailing on Trip, stabbing him in the chest. Got him. And then pose their bodies at the end, because who doesn't want a romantic bloodbath post-weird sex? You have to. <laughs> It's, 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 it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, this movie sarcastically makes fun of itself so hard that I wasn't sure if they were actually trying to make fun of themselves for a good minute. When he leans up against the Bronco, he's mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, this looks like basically uh, the thing that's going to cause us all to die. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's bad writing or. If that's a joke, and then it becomes apparent as it goes on after a while, you're like, oh, that's a joke. Mm -hmm. They're fully aware of what they're doing here. (laughs) Yeah, I wish I could remember literally any of the lines, but there's a lot of times where they, like, openly make fun of themselves. Yeah. I remember when uh, Tripp and Victoria are having sex, um, Rose and Peter are both in bed, I guess, like, in the adjacent wall to them so they can hear them going at it. And he goes, did she just say fuck me like a walrus? <laughs> uh, what did she say to 
to him because they show her actually saying something to Trip. I wish I could remember because she says "fuck me like fuck me, fuck me like a puppy." Fuck me like, fuck a, me puppy. like a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> it's God, so damn. weird. I'm gonna get that isolated as a soundbite. I'm gonna get like I'm gonna start selling that on the internet. Mm. Fuck me like a puppy. <laughs> She's just like flinging her hair, smacking him in the face. It's <laughs> uh, so weird. It's like, who fucks like this? Uh, God damn. Um, these kind of go hand in hand, but the acting, I thought overall, like there were a couple of moments that probably weren't great, but overall, considering most of the actors didn't have a ton of credits listed on their Except IMDb's. for Mitch Pagelli of Sons of Anarchy fame. <laughs> he used to be on Fox. <laughs> yeah, except for him. Uh, <laughs> most of the actors had 10 to 15 credits max on their mm-hmm. IMDb's, and none of them really had anything super significant. But the acting, and maybe that's due in part to the fact that the film was a little over the top, was actually really good. Like... They, which caught me, um, spent actually a fairly decent amount of time developing most of the characters that mattered, um, their personality types. Yeah. And then killed them all off when I felt like, oh, like that person's going to make it out. (laughs) Yeah, they killed them all off in such a beautiful way. (laughs) Like they make you care and then... You're like, oh, these people are going to survive. Like these, And then they kill those people off. And then you're like, well, those people are definitely going to survive because you've made me care about yeah. them. And nobody survives. Nobody survives. And then nobody's going to survive. And the cycle just continues. And the only person in the town who doesn't give a shit is Mike Pileggi <laughs> of Sons of Anarchy fame. <laughs> oh, my God. He got screwed so hard in this movie. No, no, oh. no. Um fucking Victoria did and then she got bled to death so <laughs> I think technically Trip did because Victoria was on top <laughs> uh, my uh, last good is that they uh, did like this thing where you could see the text on screen and it was yeah, cool but that, it's also a bad what movie did we watch where that didn't go well so there was, we watched oh. a couple I can't remember now any of the fucking ones I want to think of I don't know, but we have definitely watched one for sure. Where it's like popped up. <gasps> oh, like it was um, most likely Die, wasn't it? That might have been it, yeah. Yeah, I think so. They like didn't do it through the Blue and it just like popped up on the screen like the actual messenger mm-hmm. bubble. It wasn't as subtle and it didn't blend as well. I could be wrong about that, but I think it was most likely to die. I trust it. <laughs> <laughs> might have been the Scream TV show. I have no idea. Oh, oh, you're right. It was the Scream TV show. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that's definitely what it was. It's good show, though. Good one. Great. One. Good Less show. Great. Did he work on that? <laughs> I don't know if he worked on it. <laughs> he owns the original concept. That's good enough for me. He probably got money for it either way. <laughs> um, I thought Peter getting fucked up I, most of my goods are from the deaths in this film because <laughs> they, they were craven level deaths mm-hmm. Peter got taken out like a goddamn boss this dude is just like eating knife wounds fucking left and right getting his throat cut still standing on his feet and it's like Kumar <laughs> we're never gonna get those sliders <laughs> and um, and uh, 
Rose got killed with a fucking towel, and I don't know if I've ever seen that shit ever happen in the history of film. <laughs> I think that might be brand new. They had me a little nervous for a second there, though, because they wrap the towel around her head, and then he lifts her up by her head off of the well, ground. Like he grabs it and like throws it over his shoulder, right? And like fucking. I think he was. I think he was pulling her from the front. I don't know. It was kind of a dark scene, so it's a little hard to tell. But I like. I don't know why I weirdly had it at a moment where I was like, they're going to pop this bitch's head off if with a towel. I would have been so off. mad. <laughs> I would have been so mad if they had. I was like, her body's going to fall to yeah. the ground. And this is because it had a 14% rating. I was like, this is where the movie goes downhill. <laughs> like they've got a most likely to die towel. Like how he had those razor blades in his hat. Like they just got that. The razor blade towel. All they did was strangle her to death, though. So <laughs> they, they thankfully did not follow my weird misdirection I was having. Took her straight out with a towel, which I don't think I've ever seen before. And my last one is that uh, the film set at the very end when they've killed all of the people Mm -hmm. and he's got them all propped up and Colleen is just sitting in the middle looking scared shitless and then they never show you how she dies much in the way that they never show you how the girl at the beginning dies and the cycle continues. I never made that connection. Yeah. So after all of this, you're following Colleen. You have no idea what happened to her, but you know the last thing she had to do was sit in a room with all of these dead people, scared absolutely fucking shitless. Can you imagine? Like, it's weird to think about, um, like, the contrast between the film and what real life must have been like, because they had, like, some of the... real life, those people weren't dead. like on the on the film set. Why do you give me such a hard time every time I say that? <laughs> no, like on the film set, which some of those people like it was still their full body, so they probably had like makeup and whatever on them to make them look that way. But then there was like the one dude who got cut in half, so they were like prosthetic body parts they had to have built to put on there. And like for her to have in real life been sitting there amongst like all this like gory makeup and like special effects was probably so surreal. Like, just Again, like, hey guys, I'm posing for a photo. I would excited. I would <laughs> so thrilled. I'd take like three shots of whiskey. I'd, I'd, I'd be doing like the girl pose from Titanic, where it's like leaning over the body. I got one of the amputated toes in my mouth. Like, I'd, I'd be going hard uh, on that shit. You would like frame those pictures, and those would be hanging yeah, in the apartment. Everywhere. It would just be different pictures of me like teabagging a corpse. Like, if I knew that they were all really alive, and I could just fuck around mm-hmm. with these dead bodies for a minute, no. <laughs> be so funny i would do some wild shit if i had a photo shoot where it was just me on a it would not be that sad i mean it probably would if that actually happened to me oh no it'd be horrible in real life i gotta sit in the chair with them (laughs) but on a film set i would be all about that (laughs) that always just cracks me up to think about the difference i've never done anything to that level but like you know, with the dolls, it's supposed to be this horribly traumatic scene and there's blood pouring across the carpet in real life. Natalia, like, helped us make the blood. It was kind of like a fun day. It was, so. like, it was like a little fucking, like, preschool project. Like, it's like, and this makes the water red. This, this is when you mix the, the chocolate in. Shit. It's like, and this is the color you're getting for. It's just walking around with a spoon. Mommy! Like, this is what your insides look like. <laughs> Here, take this... Uh, sausage. And <laughs> oh. I don't know why the intestines like the. That's what, I think that's what they use. Don't quote me on that. Never mind. It, it's probably I think entirely that's what possible. they used for saw. Really? They cut the guts out. I think it was sausage. I don't know why, but like any time a horror film is like shown intestines being pulled out, that's always weirded me out really bad. Like for some reason, well, the, the intestines original, get me. 
Like the original like Night of the Living Dead, they used actual meat, so like the zombies could bite into actual food. Mm-hmm. But it was black and white, so you get away with get away that. With that <laughs> shit. Can't serve raw meat to people. I keep trying, you know. <laughs> I've lost four or five restaurant jobs. And they're like, Sir, you have to cook the chicken. And I'm like, I'm not gonna do that. So here's what you can do. You can pay me fifteen dollars. I <laughs> <laughs> don't know why I attempted that. Got any more goods? Nope, I'm, I'm out. I'm on to the bads. I'm not that angry. I'm kind of chilled out and feeling my beer right now. <laughs> I'll try to wind myself up for the audience, but I got a stomach full of chicken parmesan. Oh my god, yeah. Fucking happy heaven. We like ate right Normally before we, we came home. drunk and hungry and <laughs> fury is a lot easier to come by, but I'm just tired. all right you got a bad written down um i felt like there were several really unbelievable moments which the cops may have been them poking fun at themselves oh the cops yeah let's talk about the cops what do the The, cops do the cops one of which is played by (laughs) mitch pelleggi of sons of anarchy fame i I, I don't know why i need to keep flipping back to Uh, the cops don't do a fucking thing in this movie. These cops are dumber than the last house on the left cops. <laughs> These cops are just, they're, they're like, oh, you got sent a picture of a face with all the skin peeled off of it and the left eye's fucking been plucked out of there? You know what? You should find somebody whose job it is to go after those people. They like, keep like... Found it in your broken-in car, we're not even going to investigate. A broken-in broken like, grocery store that she works in? Like, if we're Alone? Gonna- we're gonna ignore the photo. <laughs> the break-in seems significant, <laughs> but they keep treating it like it's a prank somebody's playing. And I don't remember what town this is shot in, but holy hell, it's, it's like a small Fishdale, fucking something outside of Los Angeles. Yeah, I don't remember, but it's it's a small town from mm. like how they describe it. And I didn't know there were so many special effects makeup artists living in this town that the cops can be like, ah, oh, somebody made that God and took a damn, photo. Look at these people, these they're just screwing with you. Because <laughs> yeah. I feel like most people would be like, oh, that's kind of creepy. Cause like, by I'd... the third picture, you've got, like, enough to get a case open for harassment. You're like, hey, yo, I don't know who it is, but somebody's giving me all these pictures of dead people. So, and speaking can of... Can we get a restraining order against imaginary person who's doing all of that? <laughs> Maybe that'll fucking activate the police force. Speaking of all these pictures, that's a bit of a plot hole. Like, we open... The movie on photo seven yeah and we have no idea what the first six photos are of they imply that colleen has been sent a bunch of photos so did the first six go to her yeah. or is this the seventh girl he stalked and harassed and as like, you pointed out the he's reading that blog peter's reading that blog at the beginning of mm-hmm. the film about there being a serial killer yeah. and so if there's a journalist out there watching this town for the seventh cycle of this goddamn serial killer or the eighth cycle of this goddamn serial killer. The police should at least know that he's on the loose. And they never make it clear that the police are in cahoots with the killers, because I'd be like, well, shit. If it's a small town and they know that there's a serial murder and they're just not going to intervene, viable plot line. Go to the next town, try to get that sheriff to get involved, and now you've got, you know, a darker, deeper 
villain, yeah. you know, because he's like, I control, because I killed his daughter back in 1997 or some shit. <laughs> Instead, it's just these idiot, useless cops who halfway, well, actually, probably three-fourths of the way, because the last little bit of the film felt like an hour long, but three-fourths of the way into the film just disappear and never come back yeah. again. So we, we're just left with these shithead useless cops and maybe the film's poking fun at that trope in horror films. I don't know, but that felt unbelievable to me. And then, holy hell... The only hell, thing that's unbelievable is that Mike Pelleju of Sons of Anarchy <laughs> fell out. <laughs> and then my other... I don't find it believable because holy hell, I am a woman. And I have, in the semi-recent past, had to call the cops to help someone out. And I know I was super freaked out. Not on me. No, not on you. The audience record. Not on you. We were helping someone. Helping a friend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was like a medical emergency. Nobody was in trouble. I was on the phone with the person. (laughs) And Kristen was on the phone with the cops. But I was like, I wasn't even... (laughs) in the situation or in danger in any way and I was freaking out just having to call the cops period and none of these women at any point freak out at bloody photographs yeah they don't they don't freak out when they have to call the cops they're just like oh I guess this is what I'm doing now and I'm like oh my friend is dead (laughs) yeah they're like so chill and I'm like that's not how that goes in real life That is not how that goes. Nobody freaks out, but especially the girls. Like, I'm, as a woman, and I don't want to. Ah, that sounds bad, <laughs> but like as a woman, I'll feel free to offer me your opinion. I'm not trying to mansplain into this <laughs> microphone. Um, if you get into the horror genre, isn't the con- like the whole reason you would do that to be the scream queen or to be the hero? I mean, I, I don't want to... Like getting into horror in particular. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to stereotype women off. I do feel like traditionally... Well, I'm not stereotyping yeah, no. women. I'm stereotyping <laughs> women in horror. I know. And if I want to be in an action movie, it's because I want to be fucking Neo or Rambo. <laughs> I, like, do... I want to shoot some people or I want to die in a really cool way. <laughs> I do feel like traditionally in horror, women do either play the Scream Queen or the, mm. the badass babe who you know gets shit done but so if you're not written in as the badass babe why are you not like leaning in full tilt screen queen (laughs) well i just feel like in general in real life which maybe there are people with thicker spines than me but like it doesn't seem rational period to be models from (laughs) new york yeah to be that (laughs) level-headed like you were like the king of ninja sneaking your way around unintentionally and I'll be like in the bathroom like doing my hair or whatever and I don't hear you walk up and I half scream yeah I half scream just when you're like hey here's a drink I made for you like oh my god don't touch me (laughs) so like I feel like if I was like down the barrel facing a bloody photograph or a killer like sprung up on me or whatever like you're gonna get the full like you'd at least go pale yeah. get a little shaky <laughs> we're gonna be blowing out the levels of the mic <laughs> screaming like it's not realistic to this just be like sees everybody oh. she's known for the past 48 hours eviscerated on a couch doesn't scream 
At that point, you might be in shock, like when you see that many dead bodies. But no, when no, she, you, you, she hasn't screamed yet, so like I don't, I don't. <laughs> when she sees the first photo, she's just immediately like, "Let me call the cops." I'm like, no, I would be like, "Holy fuck!" God damn it! There's a person sending me pictures of dead people. Yeah. I'd be excited because like I don't have to go online and look yeah. them up anymore. Oh, ah. sad day! Don't send me pictures of dead people. It'll make Kristen sad. <laughs> How about your negatives? What do you got? Um, I don't give a absolute rat's ass about Colleen's relationship with either Ben or Chris. <laughs> Neither do they. <laughs> <laughs> they agree. <laughs> they concur. Um, yeah, the 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 the, the, stre- the street smart one. Street smart. The street smart one is uh, just hanging out in her apartment, drinking beer on her couch, like, just waiting for her to get out. home so that he can fight her in her house. And I'm like, that is a toxic relationship. That's just a shitty human being. You guys don't live together. That was established earlier in the film. And then uh, the other guy, I didn't know that they were trying to do anything for most of the movie. Because it's like, she was like, well, I've got a boyfriend. And he was like, well, I'm a professional. And well, they also show him weirdly hung up over some brunette girl. And they never elaborate on that beyond like, he's yeah. like, she's a friend. Her status recently changed. And I'm like, to what? Single from having dated you or in a relationship with someone yeah. else? And like, you can have a, a horror movie without a, or any kind of movie. Without a romantic angle, but it's almost like you're teasing this love triangle, and you're afraid to actually engage with this love triangle. Mm-hmm. Like if if shithead boyfriend would have come to the party and she was making out with you know the other dude, then like you have a tense moment, but it's a decision that's been made. Well, they literally go so far as to show him on his laptop trying to find smooth music to fuck her, <laughs> but they've never kissed or, like, really established that there's... Anything yeah. going on here outside of you're just working with a model? So yeah. it's like, how unprofessional are you right now? Like, if you really think about it. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. The camera shot... Uh, the cool camera shot we talked about earlier near the end becomes a fucking strobe light that I had to block my eyes from mm-hmm. to stop myself from going into a fucking epileptic seizure. Like, I was like, holy Christ. Which I don't know if we, that's kind of ironic, I don't know if we talked about that in um, our review of the ghost house, but the ghost house does it too when they go into the club, like, for way too damn long, yeah. like, strobing through the club and, like, I don't have epilepsy, but I was feeling dizzy. I was yeah. like, okay. I get that you're trying to raise, like, an anxious mood, but, like... If you can't even look at the screen at all... I can't see what's going on, <laughs> Where it's done really well, like, really, really well, and I bring this up all the goddamn time, because it's one of my favorite movies. Let me guess. Saw. It isn't Saw. <laughs> no, is it not? It is. Oh, it is. Oh. Yeah, I can't remember his name right now, but he's um, he's not Dr. Gordon. He's the guy that's in the bathroom with Dr. Gordon, the photographer. His kidnapping scene is the power gets cut off while he's in his dark room. I believe he's in his dark room. And he has to use his camera to walk through the apartment. So you get these shots of him like kind of walking past the window so you can see his silhouette. And you get that, like you do in Texas Chainsaw. Uh-huh. 
and that brief flash, they let that sit for like two seconds and then it goes away. And then, there's, there's, it's slow and it's rhythmic. So like, you know when it's coming. In parts of this movie, it was like, yeah. Fucking Christ, dude. What are you trying to like do? Like, I, I would have forgiven it, I feel like, if they had stopped it just trying to blind Rose with it because the, uh, like, moment where, um, uh, Peter gets killed, like, they, uh, are getting into a hot tub or whatever, and Peter yeah. brings his, um, camera with them, and they slit Peter's throat and then take the camera and use the camera to kind of blind Rose so she doesn't really get what's going on. And, like, I would have forgiven ending it at that because it was like okay it was a, a device to blind her before she's then axed off but then well, Chris yeah is it worked when it was blinding her but when you're trying to blind your audience yeah just the dude's like walking around the fucking house yeah like Chris literally pulls the flash off of the camera and he's just walking around the house like obsessively clicking the flash because of course out of a trope the power gets cut. Power gets cut, and uh, lo and fucking behold, besides the fact that you live in a town where your phones work on the end of the driveway, your phones no longer work. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's no communication with the outside. Um, which leads me, I guess, to uh, a little game that I came up with. Mm. How would you get rid of a cell phone in a horror movie in 2019? Because if you tell me oh, they went out of range of service. I'd be like, we're about to get 5G. You're running out of time to use that excuse. <laughs> I feel like, honestly, and that's cliche, too. I'm not saying that's what I would do, but more... I have a theory. More realistic to saying um, you lost signal, because depending on your network, you can keep pretty good signal in most places. Like, they do kind of make an AT&T joke, which... AT&T, I have heard. I have yeah. never had AT&T. It doesn't have <coughs> great service in all areas, but um, I feel like more realistic to modern day is just the fucking battery dies. Yeah. Because, like, I, or like... Or you're in Los Angeles. It's hot as fuck out there. And it overheats. It, your phone overheats in the Jeep. The yeah, we were, yeah, we were driving in the Jeep, and my phone, like, every five seconds kept being like, hey, your phone needs to cool down. Yeah, like if you did, oops. <laughs> I tried to do that subtly and then fucked that up entirely. I'm sorry. Thank you for refilling my yeah. wine. Um, yeah, no, you could do that. Um, the one I was thinking of when I was in the gym earlier, because this is how long I've been thinking about this <laughs> fucking answer, is um, in this particular situation, you know that fun game that people play? Where they're like, put your phones in the basket or stack your phones on top of each other. And the so first not... person to look at them picks up the bill. Like, if you did something like that, and then the basket got hidden, and then the person who hit the basket got killed. Ooh. So, like, the phones Or even are, the killer yeah. steals the basket. Yeah, the killer steals the basket. Or they're still in the house, and they come into play later on in the game. Mm-hmm. But, like, in the era where we're talking about 5G internet and your phone being able... Like, we're dealing... Nobody loses their signal. I've been to crazy fucking places. We've lost, maybe the first time, you know, the last time I lost my signal was when we went to Jay's wedding. And we were legit in the BFE. And we were like in the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah. We were legit in the middle of nowhere. And that's the only time I've ever lost my signal. We were four hours out of the middle of nowhere. We hadn't seen a person with teeth in days. They... <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's more realistic, especially how obsessively most people stay glued to their phones. Like, I have to charge my phone a couple of times a day if I'm on it a bunch. Yeah. So, like, the battery just giving out on you. And especially if you're in an area with a lower signal, your phone tends to waste the battery a bit more because it's searching for a signal. So it's one of those things that, like, it's a trope in horror that the phone dies or you're out of range. Mm -hmm. And that is quickly going away. Mm -hmm. So now you have to find a way to make that that phone obsolete or make that phone the object of destruction. You're poor. It's a track phone and you're out of minutes. Okay. Yeah, so you have this track phone and you're out of minutes and then you, uh, <laughs> we had to edit out something I said, but I had to say it because it wasn't, it, it wasn't going away. But just Forever imagine. Forever yeah. pushing all the buttons. What if you're poor and, uh, I'm a, and a one, and a two, and like, a one, two. So a lot got edited and we don't really know what we're <laughs> allowed to say. Because it's a really funny thing about a track phone oh, off on yeah. a tangent. So, uh, back to. The bads. The bats. Um, two things back to back, kind of playing on what we were just talking about with the uh, cell phones going down, the power going out, and all their cars still sitting outside. Um, nobody tries to leave the house. Nobody tries to arm themselves. Dude standing in the kitchen gets killed with a knife from the kitchen. Doesn't well, grab a knife from the kitchen. I don't know that it's necessarily a knife from the kitchen because the killers had been using a knife the whole time, so it was probably a knife the killer just had. But like... He got killed with a knife immediately after leaving the kitchen. Yeah. Like, also maybe get a knife. Yeah. Because he had already found Rose's dead body at this point. You don't need a big knife. Get a paring knife and just, like, fucking wrap it in, like, the side of your fist and just start punching at his face. You'll <sighs> slice his head all up. It'll be great. Yeah. And I, I do find if that... If you're ever in this situation, just make them bleed before you bleed so that the cops can find these fucking people. Oh, wait, you can't find the cops because he's busy filming Sons of Anarchy! <laughs> Like, that whole thing was ridiculous because it's it's Chris specifically. He's found Rose's dead body. And then he finds Peter's bloody camera, so we can just assume Peter is also dead. And he pulls the flash off of the camera and he's walking around instead of just going outside to a car or going upstairs to check on Colleen. Like, he's walking around like, Peter, Peter, we found your bloody camera. Are you dead? Are you alive? Like, I did. it was kind of interesting that um grab your car keys drive to a place where there's cell phone reception yell for colleen <laughs> honk the horn yeah. bitch we gotta go <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get out of here it's trying to get to heaven oh shit that's man down empty bottle i kicked it with my foot it's a theo vaughn joke this podcast is going to hell and i have that <laughs> i'm so almost much. out of bads actually i didn't really dislike this film that much um this is like going way back to when we were talking about the article about the serial killer that Peter um, is reading. Like, Peter's a very egotistical character, so maybe this is just Peter up in his own head. But, like, they imply that the serial killer is obsessed with Peter because he's posing these bodies the way Peter takes his photos. But then when we actually are with the serial killer... He never even mentions Peter, talks about Peter at all. He's There's obsessed no, with Colleen. There's pictures on the wall. Yeah. Supposedly the cycle has happened seven times already, so like Peter should be driven out of his mind by some serial killer who is, is really into his art. Yeah. 
But he's specifically obsessed with Colleen only, so it's like, what the fuck is the connection between the two? Because he must know like, who is Peter he just is. Just killing all of Peter's models, like, like that is Ooh. more that that would be interesting. Well, no, because he kills Peter and then goes on to the next girl. Maybe he's uh, Peter's uh, ex assistant. He's, he's weirdly like really into mad at bad ponytails, but they never say why. Yeah, well, I mean, every guy's got his, you know, thing, I guess. Maybe his thing is ponytails. I mean, it's a very simple look, like... <laughs> Going to work today. Yeah, not gonna get my head cut off, oh no, oh no, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, just put your fucking hair up in a ponytail. And you're like, all right, whatever you say, crazy dude. <laughs> wrap this shit up in two seconds and just not get murdered. I wonder, I mean, he was crazy. He was batshit crazy. Colleen probably would have died anyway, but if she had been more receptive to his attention, do you think he would have killed her off straight away or kept her around for a minute? Because he was like, let's try another photo with your hair up, and then she tries to run. I think if she tried to get into it, he would have been pissed off. Really? Just because I've read enough about murder. (laughs) <laughs> like what they want is that suffering and there are times like maybe if he's off, pissed weird off he'll, shoot again to bring up maybe if he's cash. pissed off he'll kill you faster though yeah but while Richard Ramirez was uh, doing his whole thing in the 80s you know like weird place to laugh Kristen <laughs> <laughs> it was the face you made you were like his thing I know but I wanted it on audio <laughs> So you know what he was doing his thing, and you're like... <laughs> <laughs> Killing people. <laughs> just, just, just breaking in houses and raping and murdering everybody. Um, no, and, and if you're not into serial killers, skip forward a couple of seconds here, but <clears throat> he would... Uh, there are several cases where he broke into the houses, and I don't want to say he just raped a woman while the kid was locked up in the closet, but when you read more into Richard Ramirez... Uh, he did a lot worse than just rape a woman. And the women who survived, he would make them pledge an oath to Satan as he was raping them. So as they're being raped by this dude who's got that gum disease that makes your breath stink really bad, he's only got like five teeth in his face, and he smells like homeless skid row trash. So he's raping them, kids screaming in the fucking closet, and he's making them pray to Satan. I feel like in the grand and scheme of things... if prays to Satan... He lets her go. I think almost every time. I feel like in the grand scheme of things, I'd be like, sure. Like, yeah. all right. Yeah. If you're religious, I'm not. Yeah. If you're religious, just hell marry to God later. <laughs> yeah, no, I think God would understand. If you are getting raped by the equivalency of the hell on earth, like Richard or... <sighs> getting hard. I'm sorry. <laughs> sleep during the last 20 minutes yeah that's my number one negative is the movie i felt like had a decent pace until the last 20 minutes and then the last 20 minutes felt like an hour long film i went on the wikipedia page when we were hanging out at our fancy diner (laughs) and um i was like i need to catch up in the last 20 minutes because i was nodding on and off (laughs) on your shoulder i was just like oh fuck this (laughs) 
And um, the whole last 20 minutes was summed up in three sentences and I remembered everything that happened. It was just 20 minutes of just near complete, what are we still doing here? Why are you walking this slow? What are we doing? Why are we butt scooting up the stairs so slow? Yeah, like I, I remembered the big parts, but I was sitting there and I was like, I'm, I'm exhausted. Like I'm, the, the pace is just like this podcast. <laughs> just, 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 just dying in the water. And it's like, fuck, dude, I can't take it anymore. <sighs> <laughs> Biggest negative. No one breaks out of the cage, mm. despite the fact it's made out of fucking chicken wire that is more or less stapled to wooden boards from the outside, so you don't even have to kick it in, you just have to kick it off. And they're not even particularly thick wooden and boards. And it's not razor wire. Yeah, like... <laughs> and the dude who gets killed in it the second time around has shoes and a fucking jacket on. He could just cover the top of his head and just start kicking that motherfucker and he'd be out. Yeah, and I was frustrated in the opening scene, like, the very first, like, technical kill. The girl's, like, flailing around, which the killers are literally there present with her. She would have died anyway. But she's flailing around, like, grabbing at nothing, acting like she's somehow swinging on the two killers who are outside of the car that she's in. I'm like, girl, like, your hands are bound at the wrist. Your fingers are still, like, in play. Open the door. (laughs) And, like, granted. pop the thing. (laughs) Granted, her... Um, it's not a Tesla. It's still got the little yeah. knot that comes out when you fucking unlock it. Granted, her feet are bound in ropes. She for sure still would have died. But, like, get some fight in you. Yeah, get some skin under your nails. Women, <laughs> if you are ever faced with a male who's definitely going to kill you, scratch that motherfucker as many times <laughs> as you can. Not because it's going to hurt him, but because you get fucking skin underneath your nails. And if they try to DNA test people, you could be the person that finally catches the son of a bitch don't go down on your back <laughs> i was like frustrated by her and she was actively in the presence of the killers and bound by ropes so she for sure was not gonna live yeah the girl jill the first girl in the cage i can't remember if she was bound by tape or rope but she's in this cage she had by... rope because I, I i was completely like sympathetic okay. to her yeah but she she's bound in this cage by herself in this house the killer has gone and left and gone and like creeped on colleen for a little bit so at the bare minimum she could have broken the cage she could have done some squats <laughs> even, stood up <laughs> even if she couldn't have gotten out she could have broken the cage and then fucking ben were like escalating it that not yeah ben the ex were escalating it that much more as a mill in this exact same flimsy cage who was bound in duct tape yeah and he's like oh full six inches taller than she is yeah like i'm sorry your mouth is like relatively free eat the tape there's a trick where you can break the tape break the cage like something you weigh 220 pounds just stand up in the motherfucker it's going away like they even have a joke about that whenever colleen goes to her apartment to like pack up her stuff because she's gonna leave town like she tells chris her boyfriend's big she does say he's a pussy, though. Well, he wasn't but, big either. He was just street smart. He, <laughs> he, he wasn't, like, big enough that I would be like, oh, that's a dude I'd watch out yeah. for. But he he had a little bit of muscle. Like, he looked like maybe every once in a while he hits the gym. Like, he was he big enough he could have like broken every, chicken wire. Yeah, no, he looked like every once in a while he hit a meth. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. 
But like, come on, I could have broken out of that cage. Yeah, like, but the, the cage doesn't even matter because who hides underneath a fucking desk like that? Yeah. It's like yeah. the power gets shut off. Colleen is like, I'm hiding underneath a desk where I have no outward momentum except for the place where I'm getting fucking stabbed. And I'm going to block that off with a rolling chair so somebody can literally walk past, beat me to death with a rolling chair and not even have to fucking touch me. I just like that These she actually... like a battering ram and <laughs> I just like that she somehow thought the rolling chair would conceal her. And it's like, I can see you. <laughs> he can see you. I don't know who you're hiding from there, love. Get under the bed at least. And she at like goes shit to, from taken. She goes to open the window and it looked like maybe the latch on it broke. And it like cut her hand. But like it's still made of glass. Bust it. Yeah. I'm actually out of bads though. Um... I only have one left. It took half of the film before we realized what Colleen did for a living. Because she was the only employee at a completely empty, nondescript store. And she put on an apron, so I thought maybe she was a waitress for a minute there. Like... Yeah, and there were no groceries on the shelves of the grocery store. Like, one whole side just looked like it sold, like... Like... Car doors, like <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, it, it was all like, like white. A, it, it didn't look like a freezer case at all. But, but it, it didn't look like a wall either. Yeah, it was like, what is this? Like, it looked it, like almost. It was adjacent to empty shelves, and it was like, well, who, what is this place? I've lost the word. I was gonna say it looked like something, and I've lost what it, the word I was going for. Yeah, it didn't look. It looked really unnatural. Like yeah. it was a set that had hastily been built, though. And they kept calling her. What did you say? They kept calling her the, the checkout girl. The checkout girl who goes into work at four in the morning or some crazy Parks time. Alone in a super dark parking yeah, lot where like, a serial killer is actively killing like thirty people every cycle. <laughs> yeah, she has to show up at work before the sun has even risen, all by herself, and go home after it's been down all by herself. And all she is is the checkout girl. They don't show any employees until the day she decides to quit and then we show what I'm assuming is the manager who yeah. would definitely be opening the store. Definitely be opening <laughs> and closing, coming in, signing her paychecks. This bitch has been alone for this entire movie just meandering around a store that sells nothing to nobody. <laughs> they like show her like in the back area flipping through well, literally just look like my bank checks. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm assuming are her paychecks. So, like, you get a sense, like, oh, maybe she runs the store. And then it's like, no, she's just the checkout she's girl. She's just the checkout girl. <laughs> and I've worked in a grocery store. And I've pulled open closed shifts in a grocery store. And I've been receiving paychecks that we just found out last week were not accurate paychecks. <laughs> so you don't come in all by your lonesome before no. the sun has risen. No, I am a grown man and I know better you, than you, to do you that. You literally currently, which granted you guys have super valuable things to be fair, but you literally work in a shop that from your desk you can see the entire shop and they don't make you come in alone. No, no, no. <laughs> Like she works in like a store that has like a whole back area and all this crazy all stuff. All by herself. And she's not a big girl and she doesn't have a gun <laughs> how do you like, and it's small town so she should be like like there's nobody there's not a, a local sheriff that helps her open up or the dude who works next door or the comes manager over. yeah or the manager so they can walk in together or another female employee like I don't want to be sexist 
Well, I mean, especially after the store has actively been broken into and a photo has been placed, the manager is a dead person. Yeah, the manager isn't like, oh, let's maybe not let you come in alone anymore. Like, yeah, nobody gives a shit in this entire town, despite the fact that this dude is apparently on his seventh cycle of this shit. Like, it's worse than, like, the the Voorhees (laughs) to bring that movie up for the second time in this episode. Where they're like... We know where to walk and uh, where not to walk. And it's like, uh, I, I, I don't know, the mechanic got fucked up. Like, it's just the town being super self-aware again without actually being self-aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if there's a reporter writing about a serial killer. Yeah, you would think there'd be a bunch of them. How did this one reporter find out? I will say, though. What dude. if, what if Gurry... Gurry... Gurry. <laughs> what if Gurry is the reporter? What if he is? Like what he's, if he's not as simple as he seems? Oh, that's another negative. I just remembered and that. And another positive, because he reminded me a lot of Leatherface. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he did. I forgot that we had that conversation. Jerry or Gary or whatever. Gurry. Gurry, whatever the fuck his <laughs> name is. Like, what is his relationship to Tom, who's the big bad guy? And I will say, Tom was a freaky motherfucker, and part of, part of it is just his genetics. He has a very angular, odd yeah. face. He was a freaky, Perfect for the role. freaky yeah. fucking dude, and his acting was on point, too. But, like, Gurry <laughs> comes and sits next to him at one point and, like, lovingly caresses his arm. And I'm like, are they lovers? Are they brothers? Like, what's going on it here? It struck me as, like, a of mice and men kind of relationship and I'm I I almost want myself into a third trouble word for this episode (laughs) don't do it Uh, a um, it's a Steinbeck novel correct I believe yeah of my cement um about a mentally challenged human being who if you were Born in a reasonable time, we had a word that got it. taken away. Don't do it. Come on. No, not for the mentally challenged, okay. but now it sounds so sensitive. <laughs> he felt like the retard who kept choking the Aww. fucking hookers. Like, <laughs> see? see, that's what I meant. I was like, don't go there. Because so. that's what he was in Steinbeck's novel. They probably you, called him a retard a hundred times. I give you credit. You make fun of everybody, but why? Because I'm allowed to use the word. The word <laughs> meant a different thing. I'm not the first person to bring this up. It was a bizarre relationship. It, it was, and but I, it I, felt I, like it, like it, they're both serial killers. They're both mentally deficient. But it felt like more sympathy for Gary. Gary. Than... Uh, than I felt for, is it Tom? I had, yeah, Tom. Yeah, I had a lot more sympathy for Gurry, and he was actively committing the murders, but I felt a lot more sympathy for the guy in, um, of my cement than I felt for his brother in that as well, but it was very much that relationship. So I'm sorry if I said the word retards, I sounded ignorant, um, but go, go, go read of my cement and get off my dick. <laughs> I think it's funny that which Leatherface probably like in reflection makes more sense because Leatherface I was. I know. <laughs> I know. Got upset with retard. <laughs> I know what you meant. They're um, upset with retard. <laughs> they need to reevaluate themselves as people don't have all their capacities. <laughs> um. 
You were making me lose my train of thought. Um, like Leatherface actually probably makes more sense in the grand scheme because of things. Thank you. Can I please finish my sentence? <laughs> Leatherface probably makes more sense in the grand scheme of things because he is, you know, a, a bit more simple and being like led. Simple's more effective. Oh, can I, can I, can I, let me finish my thought. Um, she and being like Forrest Gump. Oh, why? <laughs> Just let him. <laughs> oh. Oh. I'm gonna throw this light on you. Um, he, he is like kind of being led by his family and stuff, so that's probably a better analogy. But like whenever they first show Tom, I think it's the first scene that he's shown in, he's for whatever reason in the house of I think it's the first girl that they kill, like, plastered up against the wall. Shirtless. Shirtless. And my first vibe was, like, Buffalo Bill. I was like, this Very is... Buffalo Bill. Yeah, he has yeah. the face on of someone else, and he's, like, there shirtless, and he's kind of a pudgy dude. And I was just like, is he going to wear her skin? Like, what is going on? And they do cut one chick's face off, so I don't know, maybe. But... Did you fuck me? <laughs> like, that was, like, the vibe I was getting. I was like, that's Buffalo Bill. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, She's like a combination of Buffalo Bill and Leatherface. Might be an homage film. Might be a lot more brilliant than we've been led to believe. But either way, I don't personally feel that it deserved its 14 and 21. No, for sure. What would you rate it at if you had to rate it? Legit, I might put it in the 60s. Ooh, that's higher than I would have said. I, I, I might legitimately put it in fun movie may watch it again give it a second chance um the acting was there and maybe that's just because you had kumar and darby and you know i will say um he was not terribly likable for a large chunk of the film at the till end peter was one of my favorite characters yeah. just because he was so quirky and weird yeah no that's what i'm saying is like i, I think it, it it eventually connected um, it almost felt like chemistry was developed as the film went on, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but no, I'd, 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 I'd watch it again. So I'd, I'd give it, not in the 50s, because I don't want to just like sit right on the fence. I'd put it in either the high 50s or the low 60s. And uh, I'd, I'd be down to watch another attempt by this director whose name we haven't watched down, because those fucking angles were fantastic. I feel like that's more credit to the DP, honestly. Well, then I'd give it to the DP. To the DP, yeah. I, I don't I know how that side of things works. <laughs> I mean, technically, the directors got final say, but, like, I remember looking at their credits, and the DP was the one who, I think, if I'm remembering right, had more experience. So I feel like the DP probably had a heavier hand in this than traditionally. That's a good point, though. Like, I, I would have said in, like, around 50, but... 50, I guess, implies that I'm indifferent to the film. So, like on yeah. the fence. Like, I'm not watching it again, but I didn't mind it. You know? Yeah, maybe in the... Yeah, I guess I agree with that. Maybe in the high 50s, low 60s. Because, yeah. I, I would have said 50s, so, 40s, but I, I didn't... I liked it more than I disliked it, and I'm not indifferent to it. Like, it had a lot of really good qualities. So, yeah, that's probably accurate. So I agree. put it in that middle ground. If you ask me a year from now if I've seen it again or what my thoughts are, I'm probably going to forget that I saw it. <laughs> But if it came back up, I, I think I'd be interested. Yeah. 
fuck yeah. So we're settled. <laughs> and we did an hour 23. Woo. Minus what we got to cut out. Minus all the things that Kristen said earlier tonight that just disgusted me. <laughs> oh, is that so? As a human being, how <laughs> dare she say such vile things. How dare I? So loudly, with open windows. <laughs> gotta be putting a time out. Where can you find us on Instagram? That would be at Nightmare Box Productions. What about Twitter? So you're lucky that I know all of these so well because you I don't know. Any you do no, you do them out of order every time, I and I feel like I could easily confuse them. But I am down. <laughs> Twitter is at Nightmare Box. <laughs> way to brag your way out of it. As soon as I said it, as soon as I said it, I've got this. That is literal instant karma. Babe Ruth would have like just pointed out where the stands and then just missed the ball for the rest of the goddamn game. Ah, fucking instant karma. Twitter is at Nightmare Box Pro. How about Twitter? (laughs) At Nightmare Box Pro. Uh, Where can you email us? Uh, Nightmare Box Productions at Gmail. I miss one. The website. The website Facebook. is. Uh, the website is the nightmarebox.blog. Facebook is. Facebook.com slash nightmareboxproductions. And where can you find us on Spotify? If you look up mistakes were made under podcasts <laughs> on Spotify, you will find us. I don't have a URL. It's a picture of us. And if you don't know what us looks like, but you found this, I don't know why I keep giving the plugs at the end of the day. But, um, if you guys enjoyed the episode, please uh, rate, review, share with your friends. I'm not going to haggle with you. You guys don't give a shit about me. So. Send your shit in. Send it in. I love you. I love you. And I love you guys. And we'll see you in a couple of days.